This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Joined here by intern Nate. Hello. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We are broadcasting out of the hero of the working class and best-looking member of DSA, Brandon Henke Studios. And it's going to be that way for a few more weeks. Big news right off the bat, waking up this morning, other than uh, Trump threatening war, telegraphing war, which we'll get to in just a second. Paul Ryan finally taking our advice, huh, Sam Knight? Indeed he has. Paul Ryan, retired bitch. Soon to make way for the first Speaker of the House in history to have their dick shot off. Maybe. Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise. Bring back a Sentinel Classic joke there. Well... Well done, Nate. I don't think <laughs> I don't think a Republican will succeed Ryan as Speaker of the House. Mm. I think that's exactly why he's mm. retiring, especially because he is uh, probably on pace to lose his own race in November against Randy Bryce, the mustachioed former iron worker who's running on Medicare for All. And let's be clear, that's the real reason why Ryan is retiring, to avoid humiliation. He doesn't want to spend time with his family. This guy is power hungry. He did run for vice president a few election cycles ago. Uh, he, he just was avoiding humiliation. He was avoiding humiliation. He was also avoiding possibly becoming the third sitting House Speaker to lose an election. The last one in 1994, Tom Foley lost to Newt Gingrich, Newtathan Gingrich. And then before that, 1862, the last time a sitting House Speaker lost right in the middle of the Civil fucking War. It was a man with an awesome name of the name Galusha A. Grow. Hey, man, you got any Galusha Grow? <laughs> it might be Galusha Grow, but it's spelled a G-R-O-W. I don't know how he personally pronounces it. Pronounced it. He's dead. He can't tell me. He might have surviving relatives. I don't personally care. If you are a surviving relative of Galusha Grow... <laughs> Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Actually, I take that back. I do care. I want to hear from you. Let me know. Yes. Um, Follow at Worst Damn Tweet right now. We're entering the final stages of the Worst Tweet tournament. We had 40 tweets to start off. We're down to just four. The Fungal Four. Voting has started in one half of the Fungal Four, where we have David from beating Ezra Klein by a lot. David Frum looking like a strong contender to head to the finals and possibly win this whole thing. Tomorrow, voting is going to open up in the other half of the Fungal Four, where we have Brianna of Snarth going up against Hillary Clinton. Anyone can win this still. Follow at Worst Damn Tweet. Get involved while you still can. Also, get involved with helping out our news co-op. Go to patreon.com slash district sentinel and become a subscriber. A few bucks a month gets you access to bonus content and also gets you your own haiku that we occasionally read on the show. It's Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. Here's the news. Okay, not to sound like an Assad truther or anything Strong here. start to the show. <laughs> very strong, very strong. But I just want to say this. The president's about to escalate the war in Syria over an alleged chemical attack that we don't really know anything about. 
We all woke up this morning to the president threatening that missiles are coming and referring to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad as a, quote, gas-killing animal. But here was Trump's defense secretary, James Mattis, much more cautious a few hours later when he was asked if he was confident that the Assad government carried out the attack in Douma over the weekend, which reportedly killed 49 civilians. Secretary, have you seen enough evidence that to blame the Assad regime for this most recent chemical attack? Have you seen evidence confident to make that assumption? Uh, we're testing the, uh, the intelligence uh, ourselves and our allies. We're still working on this. Okay, so they're still working on this. It's not quite a slam dunk yet. Mattis, by the way, he, uh, I, I gotta say this, he, he definitely wears dentures. <laughs> you can hear he, it he every- Chuck Grassley. You can, well, I don't know about Grassley, but you can definitely hear it every time he talks. That's right. The man behind the most powerful military to ever grace the planet. At any moment, he could be talking and his teeth could fall onto the table. Sir, have you heard of George Washington, sir? Sir, how dare you disrespect our defense secretary, sir, who has a proud, bad teeth tradition stemming all the way back to Mount Vernon, sir, and the founding... <laughs> all right. Despite uh, the lack of slam dunk, despite the dentures and all that, tensions with a fellow nuclear-armed nation are on the rise. Russia is threatening to shoot down U.S. missiles, possibly retaliate against U.S. launch sites. This is the future liberals wanted. Yeah. Worth mentioning, this wouldn't be the first time Trump ordered strikes on Syrian government targets. He did so back in April of last year, too. That was described as a one-off. Excuse me. It was actually described as a very presidential one-off. True. That, too. It was also described as something very beautiful by... Uh, the beauty of our yeah. weapons. What's his face? Brian Williams or whatever his name as is? As I'm reminded by Leonard Cohen. Oh, jeez. Um Anyways, still no legal justification for those military strikes or any pending new ones, something that you have even Republican members of Congress like Justin Amash reminding the Trump about that it would be illegal to launch a strike against Syria without getting congressional approval. Also, the timing of all this, very suspicious. This is coming a few days after warmonger John Bolton was installed as national security advisor, comes a few days after Trump said we're going to be pulling U.S. troops out of Syria. Uh, and yet there's no debate or no like substantial debate over the legitimacy of these chemical attacks and whether or not we should be escalating our war effort as a result of them. And to add to the conspiracy theories, there's a wag the dog element to this. You have the raids on Michael Cohen's office. Yeah. Um, you know, more a lot of which were focused on the president's affairs and the legal situation regarding them. I don't know. Or as my mom it's not said, that ridiculous. this is to prevent attention to Jim Comey's new book coming out soon. <laughs> Our old pal Mick Mulvaney appeared today before the House Financial Services Committee as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's acting interim director, that is. Of course, Mulvaney is also a top White House budget aide. Democrats say that Mulvaney's CFPB appointment is completely illegitimate. They told him as much today, saying that they're hoping for the courts to declare his agency reign totally illegal. And tomorrow, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals hears oral arguments in that dispute. Democrats today also attacked Mulvaney's industry-friendly agenda and the justifications he offers to defend it. The former Tea Party congressman routinely claims he's merely just a pro-transparency and pro-accountability kind of guy. Here's Keith Ellison questioning that. 
by bringing up a report that Mulvaney ordered frosted glass and his office windows. And notice where this quickly goes. It's, uh, it, it's way beyond office pettiness. We're talking about transparency and all that and how we got to be more accountable and yet you're obscuring yourself. Well, you also got your own VPN, right? My own what? VPN. I, I don't think so. Did I? Okay. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I guess a reporter out there will look into it. But my, 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 my point I, is I, that... I'm on the same email system, I think. But my right. email address is at CFPB, now, so I think you know what? on the same system. The point is, though, is that as you are describing how everyone else needs to be transparent, you are literally making it more difficult for yourself to be seen. Oh, I, Mr. I don't no, know. No, and I, and I think right. that... No, I, I, now, there could, of course, be legitimate uses for a VPN, but if there are, they're pretty innocuous, and you'd think Mulvaney would have said them immediately. For example, if he was using a VPN to work remotely. Either way, who Mulvaney is and isn't talking to as CFPB director has been an issue as of late, as listeners of this show are well aware. As a congressman, Mulvaney was a top recipient of campaign donations from the payday loan industry, the CFPB then killed investigations into payday lenders not long after Mulvaney took over. And just a few weeks ago, it was revealed that the recently former CEO of one of the biggest payday lenders in the country sent Mick Mulvaney a thank you email after he dropped an investigation into her former firm, and the message featured an attached resume and a request to become the next leader of the CFPB. Here's top committee Democrat Maxine Waters grilling Mulvaney about this, and uh, we'll let this run for a little bit. What's not accurate? Which um, part? The, the part about I dropped the investigation. Did you have anything to do with the investigation? No, ma'am. Did you at all weigh in on it? No, ma'am. Did you know about it? No, ma'am. Uh, no, that's not true. I did know about it because I, they've been going on for, I think, so. Okay, years. let's go back. So you did yeah. know about it. It was brought to your attention. Did you say anything? Did you do anything? Did you take any action at all? No, ma'am. Zero. Oh. None. No involvement whatsoever? No, ma'am. Has it been dropped? Yes. Who did it? Uh, career staff recommended that it be dropped about the time Recommended that I took to over. whom? Uh, that, that actually doesn't get reported up to the director's office. They make that So they did itself. it without your knowing anything about it? Yes, sir. Ma'am. Are you sure you want to answer that way? Uh, yeah, because it's the truth. Well, you know, that creates some real suspicions that you only would have your, this corporation. Part, well, it would with you because of the fact that you don't like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I could Bureau look you in the eye and would look you in the eye. On my time. I had nothing to do on with my the time. that action. I'm reclaiming it. it. It does raise a lot of questions uh, because of the fact that you have stated more than once that you don't like it, you don't want it to exist, and we're going to dip delve further into what happened with this decision that you claim you have no knowledge of that I was made without you. We will find out more about this. And you will find back. out that a woman's time has expired. Waters, of course, noting that Mulvaney has long complained about the uh, CFPB's regulation of payday lenders. What Mulvaney has also done, by the way, is alleged that the director of the CFPB has been given all this power by Congress and by the executive branch to act uh, with extreme deference in a, in a unilateral way. And here he is saying he knows nothing about this one investigation where, by the way, the former CEO emailed him to thank him that the CFPB dropped the investigation. He's right a fucking after. weasel. He's a fucking weasel. Well, 
If today's hearing wasn't contentious enough, tomorrow Mulvaney will be appearing again on Capitol Hill on the Senate side where he'll have to face off with Elizabeth Warren. In Scott Pruitt news, thinking about making this a regular segment until this asshole resigns, is the Republican chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Trey Gowdy, said on Wednesday that the EPA administrator's office hasn't turned over documents requested by the committee. Gowdy requested records related to Pruitt's first-class travel on public money, as well as Pruitt's stay at a fancy condo owned by the wife of a lobbyist. Gowdy made the requests back in February. Also, the EPA's inspector general informed Senator Tom Carper that it would be looking into the employment details of former Pruitt aide Samantha Dravis, who resigned a few weeks ago. According to Carper, Dravis, a longtime aide and friend of Pruitt's, didn't work at all between last November and January of this year, yet she received full compensation. We have determined that the issues raised in your letter are within the authority of the OIG to review, and we will do so, Inspector General Arthur Elkins told Carper. Dravis and the EPA have called the allegations baseless and absurd. Our billionaire president is trying to make life even more miserable for poor people. It flew under the radar a bit with all the Michael Cohen in Syria news, but on Tuesday, he signed an order directing all federal agencies to look at their aid programs and come up with ways to put, quote, employment and, quote, self-sufficiency first. The order instructs these agencies to start enforcing work requirements for able-bodied adult aid recipients and ask for a list of changes within 90 days. It also directs these agencies to find ways to slash their roles overall and purge them of immigrants. This order comes, of course, just a few months after the administration started allowing states to put in place work requirements for Medicaid, and as it's begun pushing states to impose them on food stamp recipients as well. I think it's important for people to remember here that this really that this really is a solution in search of a problem. There is no mass of healthy, lazy people living large on the welfare on the federal welfare rolls. Very few able-bodied adults actually use these programs, and the ones that do are locked out of the job market because they have a history of mental health problems or they have criminal records. It's almost as if the entire Republican philosophy is about punishing people for simply being poor. Finally, as if it wasn't already a big enough day for Speaker of the House news, former congressional leader John Boehner supports legal weed. What up, John? According to a personal statement released today, Boehner joined the board of Acreage Holdings, a cannabis firm that operates in 11 states with varying degrees of legalization. As a former top Republican lawmaker, of course, this marks a change of heart for Boehner, one that comes too little too late for all the people thrown in jail while he was Speaker. In his statement, Boehner said he had a change of heart because cannabis has shown promise as a treatment for opioid addiction, particularly among veterans. On my Twitter account, however, at SamKnight underscore one O-N-E, I posited two alternative theories, asking users to pick the more plausible one in a poll, non-scientific, of course. Tobacco industry ties only got 38% of the vote. It lost out to Boehner smoked the J while hammered, which got 62%. So evidently my uh, Twitter users think that John Boehner, uncorruptible by lobbyists, perhaps corruptible by a drunken Jay, though. I would party with Boehner. I think that's a pretty fair, you know, belief. A lot of people would party with Boehner. I would party with Boehner. There's a lot of people I wouldn't want to party with in D.C., but I I would party with Boehner. A lot of people in D.C., I think, have stories about seeing Banner out or friends seeing Banner out while drunk. I'd smoke a J with Banner. That's about it. We'll end the newscast on that thought. 
before we go, let's check out the old listener rant line. Paul Ryan, retire, bitch. <laughs> we covered it, bud. Yeah, I had a feeling we'd get a call like that. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Nate. It's Audrey. I am calling in to clear up a controversy that I think you guys have been talking about off and on for, I don't know, six months <laughs> about um, the differences between, like, LaCroix and other sparkling water and stuff. So, Basically, sparkling water is just carbonated, like it just has CO2 added to it, and then club soda has, like, salt, and then tonic water has added sugar. So that's basically why vodka sodas are healthier than, like, gin and tonics. Um, you guys know that I am a grapefruit LaCroix lifer, but if you are looking for an alternative that is also just as good, I recommend the prickly pear San Pellegrino. Okay, bye, guys. Interesting uh, sounding drink there, Prickly Pear San Pellegrino. I have to note uh, about the claim of the healthiness of gin and tonic uh, over vodka soda. Vodka soda might have fewer calories, but guess what? Gin and tonic will help stop malaria. Yes, it's the drink of imperialists everywhere for a reason. It, it allows you to quinine invade the tropics. Quinine. Yeah. Hey, what's your boy, Nick? Last time I called you guys was like a from Portugal. Kind of wish I was still there. Anyway, I call this a fungal four. Fungal four? What the hell, guys? Fecal four. It's right there. Right there in front of you. Oh. Wither the humble mushroom. Ugh. Anyway, intern Nate, eat the muffin wrapper. Mm. Fecal four, in retrospect, probably would have been better, but... Fungal four is good, though. I like fungal four. It's got a good sound. That ungle, that ungle, you don't get that very often. In, in words. <laughs> but thanks for the advice. The rate line, 202-684-6108. Call it. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, levelnews.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Or tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. The newscast returns tomorrow. We're in D.C., so you don't have to be.